Our scripture reading today is quite long. Again, this is Acts chapter 10. We're going to read the whole passage. And I'd like you to please uh, look at the screen or read along with um, read along with me as I read it out loud. And I pray that in the reading of God's word, uh, and as you follow along in the story, that you will feel the gravity of what our Lord is doing in the church today. Acts chapter 10. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in the vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were, but while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, What God has made clean do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing that was taken up at once to heaven. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who was well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guest. The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked them why you sent for me. 
And Cornelius said, Four days ago, about, th about this hour, I was praying in my house at ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on the tree, but God raised him up on the third day and made him to appear not to all the people, but to us who have been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word, and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed, because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit, just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain to ask him to remain for some days. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his word. This is an amazing story in Acts. An amazing story of how the Holy Spirit and God continues to be the one who builds his church. You see, God understood who Peter was and God understood who Paul was. And God has this amazing way of knowing what Peter needs to hear to be his vessel to spread the gospel. And later on, we'll see that God knows what Paul needs to hear to be the vessel to spread the gospel. And in many ways, we can sort of see ourselves in Peter and Paul. But even more than that, we come to understand that God will speak to us as individuals with how he has made us how we have received salvation, in order that we ourselves, with, with who we are, may follow him, glorify him, share the gospel sincerely, share the gospel perhaps even mistakenly, but either way to know that the Lord is with us and that our story is a story that he's already written, that we need simply to, to walk in what God has already prepared for us to do. And the amazing thing is that as each of us as individuals continue to follow the Lord, the Lord allows the church, Christ's covenant here, this church, 
to grow together. He will use each and every one of you and the gifts that you have. He will use each and every one of you with the strengths and weaknesses you have. And we'll see later on in Acts that, they, that Peter and Paul actually bump heads at times. You and I, and amongst you, will bump heads concerning the gospel. But in the end, when we were all trying to follow the Lord's will, even when we have conflict, even when we have difficult conversations, we see God at work. And that's the beautiful thing that the Lord does. Here in this passage, we see that Peter himself needs a little extra work to understand the fullness of the gospel. That the mystery of the gospel that Paul talks about in Romans and Ephesians has been revealed to all. This mystery is simply that the Gentiles have been included into the family of God. And that there is no longer any barrier by which any person of any nation, there is no barrier for them to come to know the Lord. That all is needed, as Peter says, is to confess their sins, that they may receive the forgiveness of Christ himself. Now to us today, living in, on this side of the New Testament, that might seem very obvious, but it's not. Here in this passage, we have a man named Cornelius, a God-fearing man of the Italian guard, it says. So we, we know he is not of Jewish descent, but he is someone who worships the, the God of Israel. He is someone that, that we know um, looks to the Jewish temple, just like the Ethiopian eunuch that we saw before, and knows that the God, Yahweh of Israel, is the true God. Now, back in those days, those God-fearing people, if they wanted to, to worship God, the, the God of Israel themselves, they would come to the temple. But as you remember, there is the Holy of Holies, there's the inner court and the outer court. The Holy of Holies, only the chief priest and was able to enter. The inner court is where the, those who are Jewish of descent could enter. The outer court is where the Gentiles, or the God-fearing people, would enter. And you remember the, the time when, when Jesus sort of was, was making the whip and, 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 and turning over the tables and said, you have made the house of God into a den of robbers. Most likely that was done in the outer courts. That the people were using a place where the Gentiles would come into worship as a place to sell their wares. And so the Lord was, was angry at that. We know that these, these Gentiles, in, in order to, to come into the house of Israel, would need to go through the, all the, the, the purity um, expectations, even as far as circumcision, to come within the body of Christ himself. I mean, sorry, the, the body of Israel itself. And so there's an understanding that in order for us to worship Yahweh, that there were many hurdles that we need to, 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 to break in order to come worship him. And what was beautiful even back then 
is that these men and these women, even though they were not the ones who were able to worship in the inner court, still knew that worshiping God as almost second-class citizens was better than worshiping false gods. And in and of that self is beautiful of what God does in people's hearts. Now we saw in the beginning of Acts that the Holy Spirit has come down. And the purpose of the Holy Spirit is that the gospel first come to the Jews. Then we saw to the Samaritans who are half Jews. And then to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the world. And we saw the Ethiopian eunuch. If we read the chapter before, we, we see that people are coming to know, know Christ, both Jews and Gentiles. Miracles are being done. And for us as readers, when we see this, when we come to this point, we're going, this is obvious, what God is doing. You're fast learners, <laughs> perhaps. That of course, this is what God wants us to do. Of course, this is the path that God has constructed for his people. But Peter wasn't there yet. And so God had to orchestrate something for him. First, a dream to Cornelius. Send men to get this man named Simon Peter. And he'll have something to tell you. God is using a Gentile God-fearing man to show Peter something special. Peter then has a dream while he's up worshiping the Lord in prayer. And he sees a sheep coming down from heaven with birds and all types of animals. And the Spirit says to him, go kill it and eat. Well, because you're, you're hungry. And Peter says succinctly, never has anything unclean or common touched my lips. And because he didn't get it, the Spirit said one more time, eat it. And again he says, never has something unclean or uncommon touched my lips. Peter was a Jew of Jews. Peter was a man who understood who he was, when he came, where he came from. He was an Israelite deep down in his heart. But now not only that, we, see and under, we will see and understand that it's not just him, but there were other people probably around him that he surrounded himself with who were also so adamant about their Jewish tradition, the covenants that they had. And Peter needed to understand a bit more. Now this is important. If you look at Leviticus chapter 11, you'll see that the dietary laws in Leviticus. You have to understand the Old Testament, there is the moral law, which we take as the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments was given by God after after, after the Lord uh, rescued them from, um, from Egypt. And these ten moral laws that were given simply reflect the moral character of God. 
God alone should be worshipped, no one else. That's, that's, who, that's who God is. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Why? Because God himself worked six days and rested the seventh day. He set a pattern for us. Do not murder. Do not envy. Why? Because God created you in his image to be a people who love one another, who are not envious of one another, but just like him in the Trinity. Well, God, the Father loves the Son, the Son loves the Spirit. There is no envy, no jealousy, no strife, but perfection. The Ten Commandments are moral law reflects the character of God. But in the Old Testament, he also gives what we call the holiness code and, or, or these purity laws. And these purity laws have, well, we'll see, have passed away. But the purpose of these purity laws was so that, one of the major reasons, was to show that the nation of Israel was distinct from the nations around them. You know, nowadays it's, it's interesting. Like, like you can't say on TV shows that let's try to eat some of the most exotic and and repulsive foods that are out there. You can't say that anymore. Because like what's repulsive to one people is delicious to another people. Right? Like if, if you go to Korea and you eat live octopus, you know, for some people that's going to be repulsive. But you can't say that anymore. You got to say all food is good. But in, in this time, it was very clear that these are the foods that we eat and these are foods we don't eat. Why? Because we're not like you. God has given us a special identity. And these, this holiness code is a reflection of who we are in the Lord. And so what's Peter doing? Peter's being a good Jewish man. He's being a good Israelite. He understands and he knows this is not what I do. But in this dream, the Spirit reveals to Peter that that holiness code, Leviticus 11, has been usurped, abrogated, changed by the coming of Christ. And you are to eat of this. Now, right now, I can hear all of you, your brains going, oh, yeah, that's, that's obvious, that's good. Peter still didn't get it. <laughs> whether it's his own stubborn heart, whether it's the people around him, he still didn't get it. The men came from Cornelius and said to, said to Peter, we had a dream, you had a dream. Come with us to Cornelius' house. We are his servants. So the next morning they, they all go. And we see that Peter goes along with some other men as well. And Cornelius just simply says to him, I had a dream. My dream was to sit, that you, I had to send someone to get you, and you're supposed to tell me something. <laughs> so tell me something. Tell me. And it's there that Peter realizes 
that all people have access to the Lord. That it does not matter if you were born into the Jewish nation or into the Gentile nation. That all people who confess the name of the Lord should be baptized right there and then. That the same Holy Spirit that we saw coming down on the 12 apostles and, and the disciples around them is the same Spirit that kept coming down on all the Gentiles around them. It's the same, same Spirit for they confessed the same thing. They proclaimed the same thing. It cannot be the evil one, for a house cannot be divided against itself. It is the same spirit that is speaking to every single person. And Peter realizes the spirit has come upon them. Is there any reason for them not to be baptized and enter into the kingdom of God? A recognition that we are all one together. This is a major paradigm shift in the church of God. A major shift in understanding what religion is, what it means to know him. It is no longer about following the holiness code, these codes that distinguishes you from the rest of the world. That has passed away. It is simply the Ten Commandments or the moral law that reflects God's character. Because remember, what is law? Law is not, well, it can be arbitrary in our world today, but law reflects usually the character of a society. But here, this law reflects the character, the very character of God. And we see that Christ himself is a reflection of the moral law, that he has perfected it all. And that to draw near to the law to draw, is to draw near to Christ. That Christ himself is who is, is offered to all. And that you do not need to follow the holiness code. That's been wiped away. But also the moral law that God has given us, Christ has fulfilled that. And that all we need to do is repent and come and believe in him. You're going to see later on that Peter still doesn't get this. And I want to encourage you because of that. Understanding how God functions and works in your life. Coming to faith in Jesus and simply saying, I believe in Jesus himself. I am a sinner, I am forgiven, that I rely upon Christ and Christ himself as my savior. That's the, that's the beginning and that's wonderful. When you become a member here, we have, we have vows that you take and it's simply vows like that. Do you acknowledge yourself to be a sinner in the sight of the Lord? Do you, do you promise or lie, do you rely upon God himself to be your only savior? That's it. That's, that's all you need to enter. But just like Peter, many of you, all of us, I should say, are looking to mature in the gospel. And that does not happen overnight. Just like Peter, there are some things you'll get very quickly, and there are some things that you'll be like, why isn't it getting through? 
there are some ways that's easy for you to change, and there's some ways that's be like, why isn't this getting through? And not only will you think about that by your, of yourself, but if you look to the person to the left and the right of you, behind you, in front of you, you might think about that for the other person as well. They understand the gospel. Why can't they get this aspect? God is gracious and patient with all of us. And so we need to be gracious and gracious and patience, patient with all of us. If you look at the story of Peter, you will see a, a man who seems like he gets it. And then the next story, he doesn't get it. And then he seems to get it again. And then he doesn't get it. And he gets it again. He doesn't get it. I do not know, you do not know the end of his story. But I believe that there's no way that Peter got everything. But we do know from history that he was crucified upside down because of the gospel. Whether he got everything or not is not the issue. Whether you get everything or not is not the issue. But it's that you get the gospel. And as God continues to teach you, you recognize what is right. You abhor what is wrong. And then when you mess up again, you recognize what is right. You confess what is wrong. And when you mess up again, you again Acknowledge what is right. You confess your sins. Recognize what is wrong. And you follow. You follow to the best of your ability. This is the story of Peter, and, and, and we'll, we'll see more of that as Peter and Paul. They're, they're friends. They're, to me, they're more like frenemies when you watch them wrestle with the gospel. They're two different people. And we'll see the beauty of that. But that's an aside. The object of this story is simple. is that the gospel goes forth to all people, must be preached and taught to all people, regardless of their gender, their race, their age, hair color, sports team affiliation, college, right-handed, left-handed, whatever it is that you can think about that can separate people from one another. Every society is a little bit different. But we as God's people, we are commanded not to look at people and say clean, unclean, deserving, undeserving, but all people and say, if you repent and believe, Christ will receive you. There is no barrier by which anyone should come to know him. Let me give one example that I think might be helpful for all of us, and then we'll conclude. 
we, we have this idea in our Christian culture today that someone who is m more moral than someone else is somehow closer to God than someone who is immoral. Let me say that again. When we see someone who lives sort of a good moral life, perhaps with Asian values or good Western values or, or whatever values it may be, that they're good people, they, 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 they work hard, they're industrious, they're kind to people, they give to people, that somehow they're closer to God than the person who, well, cheats, steals, lies, those things that are not that are not acceptable. We wouldn't bring them home to mom and dad. And in the scheme of God's sort of common grace, aside from Christ, we can affirm that and say that's a good thing. We'd rather have good people in our society than, than, than people who cheat and steal. I mean, that's for the good of society. And we recognize that, right? In your workplace, you want someone who's a good worker, not someone who slacks. You want a neighbor who cuts their grass and not, doesn't cut their grass. You want people who, have, who want and desire the common good for all things. But where we get into sort of a gray area or where we sort of make a mistake is to think that that common grace somehow that there's a direct correlation to that in someone coming to know Christ. That somehow there's a holiness law or code that we have that says, if I share the gospel with them, they're going to come to know Jesus because they already see how, how I can already see how good they are already. They check all the boxes. They don't eat unclean food. But the gospel is very clear. There is no one good but God. That no amount of common good that you do will make you closer to God than someone else. That even the person who appears to you closest to God because they look like they have all the Christian morality is actually just as far away from salvation as the murderer, the drunkard, the cheater, or whatever you can think of. Our duty before God is not to put people in boxes of who deserves to hear the gospel or not. But they all need to hear the gospel. Those who are good morally, we need to say to them, your good morals do not give you salvation. Only Christ can give you salvation. To those who seem like they're, they're far off, we, we say to them, listen, even in your, what you believe is the worst thing that you can do, God can still and will forgive you and bring himself to you. Both those people did you hear the same gospel that Peter is proclaiming here? And so we too don't let Christian 
quote-unquote Christian morality be your measure of anything? Yes, in our society, it's good for society. I'll say that. But for church, what God is building, this is his kingdom. This is his rules. This is his law. This is his people. This is his salvation that he's offering. And so for all of us, whether we see someone as our enemy or a friend, share the good news of Christ, that they too may know the God shows no partiality, but welcomes all who confess their sins and believe upon his name. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and your mercy in all things. Lord, there truly is no one like you. And Father, there's so much that we can learn from just doing a character study and people like Peter, Paul, and other people in Scripture as well. And what we learn most about them is not sort of, it's not only who they are and how they, how they interacted with you, but we learn more of just how much your love is so exact for each and every person how you know exactly how to bring people to you, how you know exactly what each person needs to grow in faith. And so we rejoice, Lord, that you are doing that right now here at CCPC, that every person here, Lord, is being taught by you. And so, Lord, help us as brothers and sisters to help each other to hear the voice of God, that we may, Lord, grow in likeness of you. We also pray, the Lord Jesus, that we would be a people, a church, that shares the gospel to all. That all people, Lord God, those who are religious, those who are just morally upstanding, to those, Lord, who we see as those who are outsiders in society, Lord, that everyone needs to hear the good news of Jesus. And so, Lord, just as we have received you not by our own strength or by anything that we, we bring to the table, but by grace alone, help us to show that same grace and love to others. We thank you. We love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.